0: Talk radio Hello, this is Gigabit Nation Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and my mission today is to help you uh with information to help uh, organizations get better, faster, broadband everywhere it needs to be. There are a few questions that is common among community leaders is what are we going to do to make uh sure we get money to pay for these um Broadband networks and broad bland, excuse me uh but bond measures are a typical way, but we're also starting to find that traditional institutions uh such as local banks are now turning to be an option uh today, we're going to have a talk with Daryl Wenzel, who is the general manager for Waverly um utilities uh in Waverly hi um Iowa and uh we'll talk a little about these uh these new approaches to funding uh broadband networks Oh Daryl, welcome to the show
1: thanks, Craig. Glad to be here
0: so in in many ways this um this network business this is kind of new uh what did you guys do that convinced uh, three banks actually to be part of your funding effort.
1: Yeah, I think, Craig, I think it goes back to your feasibility study and community needs analysis. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to make sure that it's done properly, that you do go out there and, and get those um, community members, the uh, industry, business, residential folks, all involved in these discussions um, to make sure that, that you do find out exactly what's missing in the community. So, it starts mm-hmm. with a great feasibility study um, It includes a marketing element uh to ask the questions um to a larger base than just your focus groups and uh, I think that builds itself to the credibility of your business plan
0: right that that would make a lot of sense and i'm I'm gathering that uh we should look at the feasibility study as not just an exercise to figure out, um, you know, are the communities, various constituencies interested in doing the network. You also have to look at the audience, such as potential funders, and try to answer the questions that are important to them in the same uh, process of doing the feasibility. Would that be a correct uh, assumption?
1: Yeah, I believe so. There's an economic development um, um, theme that underlies those questions and that marketing and and really what your community is trying to achieve. Um, You know, I think if if a community just wants to get lower prices, then they're probably on the wrong path. But Mm -hmm. if you're looking at it from an economic development perspective, you know, what, what tools does the community have today, provided by the incumbents, and what should they be providing to make sure that your community um, can develop and grow and provide services um, that your residents and future residents will want?
0: hmm uh, I think the the approach I've tried to get with um, communities is that they should look at this as the development of an asset, and the uh, the asset is being used to impact Economic development is to impact um, telemedicine, uh, education, um, a number of different things. But when you start to look at it as you know, we're doing as this, uh, this process to develop this asset, then when you're going to a bank or a financial institution to say you know we want to make some, we want to get some money for this project. You're so you're asking that that entity to invest in the asset, not just um trying to get people as you were saying, getting cheaper broadband prices.
1: Right. In and the approach we used here in Waverly, um, it's kind of a twofold process. The electric utility itself has a need for a fiber optic connection when we look at advanced services on the electrical side with the with the industry and the paradigm shift to market-based rates uh, critical piece peak pricing that will come in the future time use rates there, there's a need for us to have a smart grid infrastructure in place and that's just to help our our electric rate cope with the future of the industry now if we go back and look at the telecommunications side which is a, being developed as a total different entity from the electric side. We knew we could not go out um, for general obligation bonds that would put that money on the taxpayers' backs. I think a lot of communities are already stressed on the the tax portion and how much more they can put on the taxpayers, so we knew that that wasn't an option to go general obligation bonds. We could uh, certainly go down the revenue bonds uh, that we traditionally do for your electric utility, Uh, we felt that with this being a new startup um, communications utility, that the bond market probably would not yield the results we were looking for um, that you typically get on your electrical side. So what we did is we put together a very concrete business case and business plan, and we shot that out to the local banks. And I think we had the, the right staff in place to show them that um, you know we had the knowledge, uh, the technical skills and abilities to complete this plan. There's um, several other municipal telecommunication utilities that are successful in Iowa. And um, you know, when we present that business case and, sh- and showed them that, uh, they're all very excited about that. But one of the problems with, with trying to go to the local banks is that under Iowa law, um, they will not be able to get any collateral on those funds that they loan out. And, that, and that, that is a huge impediment for banks to know that they cannot have any collateral. They're solely loaning us that money based on our success on subscriber revenues and the ability to pay them back. But uh, I think we were we were very good in our, our business case. Um, we're fortunate to to meet with the right bankers that believe in this plan and what this community needs, and we came up with the money through that non traditional finance method.
0: So you you're basically asking a fair amount of faith compared to say other uh situations where the bank is basically doing that um there there there's collateral in the in the equation. And so if you're taking away that option um. By, by the way, first off, why exactly is that? Because that looks a little weird to me. I'm kind of
1: why no collateral?
0: Well, yeah, your base because as I find it to correctly, you actually can't be able, you can't be allowed to have collateral in this deal. I mean, I, mean I, don't, I don't fully understand. Is there something? There must be something else so I'm not I'm missing there.
1: Under Iowa Code, you cannot uh, allow um, uh, banks to hold collateral in a public uh, infrastructure. So if you uh, put in a sewer line electric line, they they cannot hold that as collateral against the public utility. Same, same rules apply to the telecommunications side where we're borrowing money to put the services on that fiber. Uh, the banks are not allowed to um, have possession of any collateral for the money that they loan for that.
0: But it has to do with it being a utility, with it being a public utility. A um, what would that be? The, the public utility or entity is where the the factor comes in there. Then
1: that's correct. Under Iowa okay. under Iowa law, municipal utility um, the bank cannot have collateral in those assets.
0: Wow. Well. <laughs> That's um. You know, so do two, uh, have a similar
1: I'm sorry, Craig. I I walked under there. Can you just repeat that?
0: No, I so said, do, do other cities, do other states have a similar kind of requirement or restriction, as it were?
1: You know, I really, I'm really not aware of what other states are doing.
0: Hmm. Because I, I would imagine that this is because this creates a very, um, uh, an extra hurdle, obviously. Um, now obviously you've done well and you also have other uh utilities within Iowa, so that you have some cases that are local people can say, well, this has been uh shown to be w- working in other um in other communities, then we'll probably work here as as well. Um huh, that, that's a very interesting kind of uh uh dilemma. Uh, now you had three banks involved. Was it one was like a primarily a lead and then there were two others or how how does that kind of structure work?
1: Yeah there was actually three banks involved in the um if you want to call it a bidding process. So it ended up we we went with um, one major bank and then a, a secondary bank that took part of that loan and the third bank didn't did not take um, or get part any of any of the loan so they were actually competing against each other um, for this loan which was a nice situation to be in. Just wanted to check see if you're still there, Craig. No. Hello?
0: Okay, it says I'm now connected. Now let me try to dial the number again. Got it. Okay, let me see what happens. Hi, Greg hey there okay so we are back online there was some sort of difficulty there I can't quite place it there let's uh, pick up our 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 conversation and then we'll uh, because we were starting to talk about how the uh, you had three banks as a partnership of sorts and i you were just starting to explain what that was, and if we can kind of go back to that again, I wanted to make sure we talked about how you guys did that structure thing.
1: yeah, actually, the way we did this is we um we hired a placement agency that uh took our business plan um and then they went out and shopped it to um local banks and then some regional banks and we ended up with two ma- two larger banks that were basically bidding um to loan us the money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we, uh, it was a great problem to have that more than one bank wanted to um, give us the money.
0: <laughs> no doubt. Um,
1: so we ended up with a, a, a larger bank, and then they also offered part of that money to a, a local bank on a smaller portion, and they took it. So we have two banks um, that are, are funding that uh, capital needs.
0: hmm Interesting. So now, is that uh, uh, for typical, or were you a, sp- a special case in regards of that kind of arrangement? I,
1: I think it's probably very non typical for uh, utilities to go out under that scenario. I say most of them are existing electric utilities, and they can just go straight into the bond market for revenue bonds.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know a lot of other municipals I think go out in general obligation bonds, but again, we did not want to place any burden on taxpayers and we wanted it strictly um, to look like a revenue bond and um, again, the big hurdle was getting over that the banks were not going to get access to any collateral but um, yeah I think they they saw the need here they see it a uh, business plan that is well thought out and put together and its, it's um, chances of success are very high so Mm-hmm. We were successful in getting the financing.
0: Now, I mean, I don't want do to have to speak for all of the rest of communities in Iowa, but do you think that uh, your banks will look at this as um, a possibility for uh, doing this in other communities as well?
1: Well, I think the banks will take that on a case-by-case basis, but... Uh, uh, okay. Really, couldn't speak for what the banks will think, but I, I do think our success will will probably um, be a driver for potentially successful other municipal systems. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So now, as you get ready to um, move this forward, or maybe I should start with uh, with a um, maybe just a, an idea for other communities. If communities were to do. What you guys have done. What kind of advice? I'm not asking you necessarily speak on the uh, the uh, on behalf of the banks, but in terms of the things that you found to be successful in your approach, what kinds of things might you suggest that other communities would also at least present to their banks and then see what what happens from there from there. Yeah, I
1: think it goes back to very various- Simple uh, strategic thinking. Um, you know, why why is this community wanting to do this? And then and then back it up with actual data. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge part of it. I think you have to answer the question, who's going to do this? And that means you're going to have to hire people that that have done it, people that know what they're doing. I think the banks look very closely on on your key your key people. And um, they have to have a proven success uh, record of of doing this kind of thing. So I think those are very two very important keys to the bank saying they they may do this.
0: Mm-hmm. No, do you think that um, we had a guest on oh a year or so ago, and we talked about this Spain this very strategy of having the local book, uh, banks getting involved. And one of the things that came out of that interview we talked about using the local bank to create a comfort level where the larger banks then might get involved um and obviously in your case you got you know you got everything covered up uh, covered by uh the three banks involved, but maybe for like a regional project or a s or um a countywide project. It might be an obst- uh, a strategy to have a combination of local bank and, say, national bank as a way to, um, you know, to to approach it. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but or if you had any thoughts about that or not.
1: Well, I, I think the, the the banks, you know, um, will certainly shop around and share. Um these capital requirements with other banks so i I don't think that's an uncommon thing for banks to look at that and participate out loans with larger banks or other small banks. so I don't think it's that uncommon. I mm-hmm. think uh the uncommon part is the collateral portion, and uh, that's hard for a lot of to get over that hurdle
0: right and there there you go. Well, we'll see how hard plays. Let's talk about the um the 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 uh history of broadband as Waverly has kind of um, evolved from uh, there's an article I read that says you guys have been at this planning about or thinking about it for almost 12 years which seemed a little large but I said well let's let's see what the scoop is Um, was there some like changes and new strategies and so forth or, I, mean, I know you weren't here at the beginning, right? Because you've just been here for about, what, a year or so?
1: Yeah, just a little over a year.
0: Okay. Actually, they go
1: back to, I, they were actually looking at this potential back in 96, just a little bit, uh, same time as Cedar Falls Utilities was was really getting started on theirs. And, and they took a very deep look into it. And at that time, you know, the cost to, to do what they wanted to do were not feasible. And okay. um, also they actually um, stepped up, did some system upgrades, um, did some things that that satisfied and placated the community. So that kind of ended any any thoughts at that point. Um, Probably about five years ago, you know, the incumbents had pretty much stopped advancing their systems. Um, Service issues were becoming a problem. Um, You know, became aware to the community that, that they weren't Going to invest any more money in this community for quite some time, and mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of the local got concerned that you know in the new global economy, what was happening um, in other communities and their broadband needs um, that that was a concern for the business leaders, and then the subject was brought up again, and I think that kind of kick started. Let's take another look at that feasibility study, and and um, kind of took off from there.
0: Okay, now. I'm guessing that um, the last year has done a lot for um, motivating communities to do what Waverly has done because you've had um, Cedar Cedar Falls, obviously, then the president comes to town, Uh, you've got a couple of other um, uh, utilities that also have either... Um, have run a network so far, or there's a couple of places, I think, that have gotten the uh, the voter approval to move into the uh, muni broadband space. Um, all these things together, I'm assuming, are stoking the fires and getting people really interested in doing things in their respective communities in, in Iowa as well. Is that correct? I, I
1: think you are correct there, Craig, and not only in Iowa, but I'm, I'm seeing it in the headlines across the nation that more and more communities are recognizing how broadband will, will have a major impact in those communities. So we're seeing it not only in Iowa, but nationwide. Iowa is fortunate that there's, um, I think there's currently 30 municipals that have some form of telecommunications, whether it's fiber rings uh, to help local businesses or full-fledged um triple play type option. I I think there's 16 of those that offer some type of telecommunications beyond just uh dark fiber. So, um it, it's kind of been rich in Iowa for quite some time. I know there's gaining interest in other communities that have not done anything. And mm-hmm. in fact, there's a community of about 11 communities that are looking at the potential of a fiber ring um in the, in the northeast quadrant of Iowa that they could share resources uh, such as i p t v head ends um bandwidth and other needs that could all play on that ring and and I know they're taking a hard look at you know what it would take to put that together, so there is a lot of interest out there
2: mhm
0: well that's uh that I would see is a big uh big plus is when you have that that um oh that critical mass of of communities that have done it and are planning to do it that it pulls in, the, you know, the rest of the community um, as as well. Now, your governor is planning an initiative. I think they had a vote on it last year, and now they're getting it ready to, to vote again. What exactly, or I'm not how sure, but how are you familiar with that particular uh, bill, and do, do how would you see it helping the communities such as yours.
1: You know, in its current form, there there are some tax advantages um, that the municipals could use on the telephone portion of their system only, but there wow. are still many things in that many things in that bill that need to be ironed out, such as what is an underserved or unserved area, and, and that doesn't really specify what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the bill needs a lot of work yet before it can actually come out. At one point, it had a $5 million uh, revolving fund type set up, and I think that $5 million has been pulled out. So there's really no no funding available. Um, but, of course, there are some federal grants out there that, that may be used in those unserved or underserved areas.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's kind of from that perspective, we kind of have to wait and see. Um are there other entities either the state or foundations or other f- factors that are getting involved or potentially will be getting involved that can help uh other communities uh get into the municipal broadband space? Um,
1: the only one I'm currently familiar with is the uh Connect America funds um for rural customers and and I don't I'm not I'm 100% sure of all the specifics on that, but my understanding is that the four largest carriers get their, their shot at that money first, and then if, if they don't use it all, then secondary uh, communication companies can try and apply for that for un, unserved areas in the United States. That's the only major one I'm aware of today.
0: Okay. Yeah, there's there's been some changes about uh, both that and the rural America utilities fund or whatever was uh, a part of that um now in, in several states there's they i don't know the agency uh state economic development related agency um does Iowa have a similar kind of you know you know some agency that is uh dedicated to economic development they may be taking a look at um Broadband as an economic development tool?
1: Um, Iowa does have a, a Department of uh, Economic Development, and the leader is Debbie Durham. And I just had lunch with her the other day, and, and basically, you know, she's standing behind the governor's broadband bill. And again, she's kind of waiting to see what, what that looks like when it comes out the legislature, but there is no specific programs under the Department of Economic Development specifically for broadband.
0: Okay. Gotcha. All right. Let's talk about um, you know the plans for uh, Waverly. So um, I got, I'm assuming that there's a there's an economic development aspect uh, for the uh, the interests among the various constituencies. But if you were to draw sort of a broad overview of the network, what kinds of ways do you see the Network being used by the, the various constituencies.
1: Okay. Well, if we look past just your traditional triple play um, to residentials, you know, you, you certainly have to look at the the business needs and aspects here in Waverly and and how that can lend itself to economic development. And you know, I think a big one on the horizon that a lot of people haven't seen yet is is home health. And um, I think some of the local health um, uh, organizations are looking at this ability to speak with their patients um, through vid- video conferencing prior to bringing them in. So for an example, if you went um, if you went to your house and, and your mom wasn't feeling well, but yet she's very elderly, typically you would have to take her to the emergency room or to the hospital or doctor's office and wait in the lobby. Um, really not knowing if she needed to be there or not. Well, in this new scenario, in this new case they're looking at, why not get on the um, video chat with either a physician's assistant or the doctor, where they can talk to the patient, look at the patient, and determine whether they need to bring that patient in or not. And Can you imagine it, the time saving from having to drag them or take them in versus mm-hmm. being able to see and talk to a doctor right there in the house? I think. That's probably the hugest one I know of on the healthcare side, and that could have a dramatic impact on the way healthcare is done. If your child is sick, get them on in, in front of a doctor on, you know, in a video. You know, the doctor can ask them some questions, look at them, and say you need to bring that child in right away, or you know, we'll schedule them. Um, it could make healthcare more efficient, and I think that's a huge application that uh, could be coming down the pipe relatively soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's other aspects. Active Ethernet, larger um, connections for businesses that maybe need to communicate um, down the road with with Waterloo-Cedar Falls, and they need a a 10-gig active Ethernet pipe. We're going to be able to provide that um, where they may not have that access today through the incumbents. So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we see a lot of applications in that that way. Waverly actually has a fiber ring today where we let the largest... um, industrial users use dark fiber so that it can communicate between their buildings because it just wasn't there fifteen years ago for them to have access to that. So mm-hmm. this is step beyond that to get them some VLANs to, to better utilize the fiber optics and and um you know provide things that aren't here today.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um I'm gonna go back to the health question uh because I'm I'm getting ready to write a new um book and one of the one of the premises of the book is that the healthcare area is like a sleeper application. Um that of all the possible ways that people can use the network, um I think telemedicine medicine is almost underrepresented it in terms of the ability to do what you can do because there are certain limitations of it right now because like for example getting approval by the federal government to use doctors from different states creates a big hassle but if you can once you get past that then you 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 have a whole realm of additional services that people can potentially uh, uh, take advantage of my general question, I guess would be is um, is there a lot that you see happening in say say three to five years if we get past certain bureaucratic issues and technological issues because I think the need is huge like the the one the the denier, desire for better health care that is for, facilitated through broadband i think it's just huge but then maybe that's just me i mean what, what what do you think in terms of looking at the future
1: well i think as i as i previously stated i, I see that you know doctor visit becoming a, a video visit um and that's probably the, the thing you'll see in the next 5 years i believe mhm i think farther down the road with an aging population i think you're going to see more and more applications where there will actually be health monitoring equipment that the family members can, can hook up and set up and attach to the internet and actually have um, um, a facility monitor the vital signs and stats of that patient uh, from a remote location. Um, what comes to mind is uh, home health uh, care individuals now that drive out to people's homes and take a look at their vitals and help them um, with healthcare issues. Uh, you may be able to hook up the equipment and have a direct line back, and everybody already has that data. Um, so I think that's probably a little bit out further than five years. But I really think that doctor visits can be can be done on a video portion. Now, of course, if you need to take vitals, um, you, you have to in person. So, but I so I see the simpler um, question: Should I bring my my family member in? Being answered first. Or maybe it's just whatever the the physician assistants or or even the doctor himself does from that visual tells the parent or blame what to do
0: right, and then that would make a that make a lot of sense you know one one of the things that I've seen in other communities, especially like uh when the when municipal wireless networks were all the raised uh a decade or so ago um is being able to have like ambulances do initial care by being hooked up uh, wirelessly from the the ambulance back to medical facilities and um allowing us to basically have that doctor be in the in the ambulance in a sense. When those people out, the paramedics are out doing all kinds of you know disaster recovery and so forth, um, and I and I think that that still is a, uh, a doable thing, and it's also it probably isn't the technology dependent once you've gotten in the core, say the uh, you know you've got uh, using fiber to hook up the the hospitals and the medical facilities there and then you use wireless to tie into your ambulances and so from paramedics, that you're able to then affect uh, emergency care and maybe not requiring too much time, you know, like a year or two, maybe before that kind of stuff becomes uh, practical. Um, any thoughts on that kind of uh, scenario? I've always thought that
1: wireless and, and fiber you know are are good um mates for mobile to land use and mm-hmm. i I think you're seeing that in you know in in the mobile phone industry when when you have a large event in your town and there's just not enough capacity for for wireless back to fiber to complete all the calls so the the more diverse we get fiber out there um I think the larger wireless base you can have
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they go hand in hand. You, wireless is a complement to fiber or vice versa.
0: And you know, I'm very happy to hear you say that because I know that uh, in, uh, over the last few years, we seem to get to this like this holy wars kind of scenario where people who believe in wireless only and other people believe only in the fiber. And um, and i one been wondering, well, at some point, does the average person really care about that holy war as much as the real, you know, application that you can look at and say, you know what, um, we can use both of those together to create a better solution um, in a number of different areas, not just telemedicine, but um, anyway, so the long story short is, I think that it's interesting. You know, you're you're saying what I think, what I'm hoping anyway, that more people are saying in the trenches that, like, you know, we we use all this stuff together in to, to form the best way to solve the various problems that we're trying to address, or to, pay, to take advantage of the best opportunities that we could take advantage of. Yeah, so. you're
1: you're right. And that that is kind of where I'm heading. And I've been in this debate, wireless versus fiber, for 20 years. And totally I think cool. what you're you're seeing it play out is just as I described it—that they complement each other. And mm-hmm. that's, I think actually what technology is is proving that they're both useful and they're both needed.
0: Well, that's uh, that's definitely a plus. That's definitely a plus there. Um, let's talk about some of the other uh, very uh, options that are going. Um, What kinds of economic, uh, not uh, educational, applications are you seeing?
1: Yeah, I think a a lot of a lot of the nation is seeing schools go to you know laptops um, or or tablets, wireless tablets. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, So I think the schools are driving this new technology. It's it's great to see the schools embrace new technology and and change the way that they. Uh, the youngsters are coming up through the school system. So you're going to need bandwidth um, as it progresses. Um, And I think fiber optics gets that tablet wireless data, you know, back to where it needs to go hand in hand. Hello? Yep, I'm still here. I'm just trying. I'm not sure where else to take that equation. I'm not that familiar with what education is doing past bring taking down tablets to the the youngsters and doing homework and schoolwork without paper.
0: Oh, all right. Yes, I think uh, Iowa has a number of application or a couple of initiatives in uh, to get the the schools uh, more uh, into the digital age and so forth and I've always felt that the 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 linchpin of making that kind of initiative work is can you assure that the average student has enough capacity to be able to use those those tools, you know, the tablets, the, the iPads, and so forth. And you've got to, when you're making the plan, that you have to look at it from the perspective of, you know, not just the, the business side, um, but also you have to look at, Uh, residential beyond just the uh, entertainment side of things and saying, look, we've got kids uh, who are doing or wanting to do X, Y, and Z. Um, You need to have that capacity for them to be able to do that because I've seen some of these applications on the educational realm uh, realm that just, you know, they, they just blow your mind. And but if you, you're looking there carefully at it, you realize that for those kinds of advances to take place and have people across the various economic spectrum be able to take advantage of that you've got to have a core um, you know network that is able to handle that capacity and. Uh, you know, and I'm sure that you guys have have looked at that as well. But I think the people are that are still, you know, getting their plans in order, and a lot of people may be thinking, "Oh, just the economic development side." But I would encourage people to say, you know, you've got to look at a a bigger world than just the economic development side of things. And so, you know, are there are there uh, large colleges near? Uh, Waverly. We actually have a
1: liberal arts college, um, Warburg, um, in the middle of Waverly. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure of the student population, but I, I know it's over a thousand. It could be two, um, right in the center of our community. So, you know, what we're looking at from a capacity standpoint inside a typical residential home, I mean, it's growing. Um, we're going to be offering a standard download of 50 megabits and a 50 megabit upload um, symmetrical speeds because if you have up to 10 devices running in that house, you need that kind of bandwidth to meet all the needs.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, one of the things that I've, um, you know, as I've watched some of these uh, projects come together is that um, once you figure out that you're going to use the network for, say, government uh, purposes, uh, the various different city agencies and so forth, that you change the relationship between the uh, the average citizen and the government, right? Because you're able to uh, solve problems, uh, take advantage of different opportunities, um, you change the, the, the amount of time that people spend dealing with uh, the various government agencies and so forth, that I expect there's going to be a change in some way how your average citizens interact with your um, your local government. And again, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that.
1: Well, I don't know if I can specifically address how their interaction will change, but it will certainly be faster. I can think of a time when <laughs> we were trying to start up a, a broadband utility, um, and we had to download some FCC um, reports. And we had a, a 1.5 um, megabit dial-up, or, or or slower. It might have been slower at that time. We couldn't download the FCC reports. Oh, wow. So from an, e- from an efficiency standpoint... You know, with a big enough pipe, you become more efficient, faster. Um, mm-hmm. The citizens become happier that, that things don't time out and they can't get the reports that they want. So, um, yeah, to me it's back to efficiency, uh, whether it's the consumer side of life or, or the business side of life. Uh, the bigger the bandwidth, the faster it goes, everybody's more productive.
0: hmm and that would work across the uh the board when you guys did um your feasibility study uh what kinds of things or questions were you asking of the citizens to get understand help this of the citizens understand how they would want the network to evolve in terms of its services and capacity and, and, you know, a number of different areas.
1: I think a big portion of that feasibility study or the marketing study was asking what doesn't work today.
0: Ah, okay. Um,
1: So what what are they having problems with today, whether it would be capacity, um, um, speeds, whether it's reliability, um, services that they couldn't get, so I think you start with, what are the problems today? Mm-hmm. And that's where the feedback comes in to say, this is what, what we need to meet what people are demanding today.
0: Okay. So kind of put, now, are you asking part of that uh, question? Of, is there a question regarding uh, what people would like to do over, say, five years or four years kind of thing? I'm seeing that happening in other places.
1: No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think we really specifically put that type of a question to consumers. Um, uh, businesses, we would ask what what size files are you trying to send today? Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, trying to correlate what size or how big a pipe it would take to meet their, their needs today. Um, but then, you know, really not projecting out five years. I'm not sure most consumers um, understand or need what they might need five years from today.
2: Right. Well,
0: it's
1: pretty definitely...
2: easy
0: to... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, definitely with the consumer side, uh, many of those people can't don't think necessarily along those terms. Uh, typically, the businesses are the ones where you would ask those kinds of questions because they're the ones looking at expansion or they're looking at, uh creating uh you know new partnerships and various and so on and so the that group and maybe the educational side um and i would say definitely the medical side where those are those are the constituencies that be more likely to think about um you know what are we going to be doing in 3 years and that would probably drive i would think the discussion from their perspective, you know, in terms of what the needs are.
1: You're absolutely correct. And and when we talk to the businesses that are currently utilize, utilizing our dark fiber, and, you know, they told us how they've had to um, increase the speed um, on that dark fiber to keep up with the growth of their business. And you look at manufacturing, and, and there's a lot of manufacturing in Iowa today, but it's it's pretty much all turning computerized. And uh, when you have files to send from, whether it's an engineer's office a corporate out to the the field location where they actually do the fabrication, uh, these are getting to be pretty pretty large files, and they need them, um, you know, downloaded in a reasonable amount of time. So, um, they're very thankful that they have this fiber, uh, dark fiber ability to, you know, have the ability to put larger equipment on the ends to get these files faster, so they're more productive and more efficient.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm 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 curious now, um, if you are think if people are looking at things like off offshoring where we're basically, you know, a lot of jobs go out of the country, um, and there's an interesting there seems to be an interest in bringing these jobs back to the U.S. Would a place like Waverly or Cedar Falls or any of those other Iowa communities, would you, once you have a network, like a gigabit network in the place, do you think that your communities can make a play to bring to bring companies manufacturing back to the US?
1: I think it certainly plays into the equation and the conversation with these businesses. Um, I think what, what we're seeing more of is is um, service industry. Uh, we had a discussion the other day about uh, an architect that had to move to New York City to do his job. But oh, if wow. he had actual bandwidth, why could he not live in Waverly and still communicate with New York with mm-hmm. his with his architectural services? And I think that you know has a huge impact on people's ability to to do what they want to do for a career and yet live where they want to live if they have the ability to communicate.
0: And so once you've got that technology in place, you've got that network in place, then if you're looking from the perspective of the Economic Development Agency or the city marketing folks, is now you can really... Bring home the thought that you know come to Wavery because you can do all the stuff that you really do that's important to your business, uh, especially in the day, the, the uh, service industry. But now you're you're doing all that stuff here, and I'm assuming that you know makes uh, uh, things very easier to bring into um, to come in to to come in and say well you know come come to Wavery because you know, we now have this virtual way of dealing with the world now.
1: I think that's true, and we've actually seen that um, in some communities I've been in that we've launched um, high-speed Internet. We've seen um, a magazine company that uh, the kids moved back to Independence because they could run the magazine company um, in that community and still get it to the publishers and to the printing houses and, and submit these large files and not have to live in that same community where they needed to send that information. Mm-hmm. I've seen some their attorneys move back to that community, and uh, they they cre- created some innovative um, things, such as breathalyzers, and they needed that they needed that pipe, that bandwidth, to conduct their businesses in that small town, but yet communicate with manufacturing in a larger community, and they were able to move back for that. So I think there's a lot of examples that exist out there. If you have the infrastructure, um, you know, these people can work from these smaller towns and not have to live in the larger community.
0: Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's so much concern uh, with a lot of small towns across America where people are wanting to, you know, they want to maintain their, their quality of life but how do you do it when when everything is happening in in the bigger cities, and so now I think that you're going to see, you know, with the with the late leaders being you know places like Waverly and Cedar Falls and so forth, where you can say you know here's all the things that we've done, and and starts to become like a benchmark for other communities to try to do the same same thing. Now I want you had worked for another company, another utility doing them similar things with bringing their broadband into place. Which, was that, uh, which community was that for and uh, what kinds of, I don't know, similarities are there between that and what you're doing with Waverly?
1: Yeah, in, in 2000, I went to work for Independence Light and Power Telecommunications. Specifically to build a state-of-the-art um, hybrid fiber coax system,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we built that there. Uh, one of the one of the unique things about that system, the incumbents were building um, at that time about 1,200 homes per each fiber node. So from the fiber node, they'd build coax out to about 1,200 right. homes.
2: Mm-hmm. The newer
1: ones were homes per node. And we built independence at at 175, no more than 175 homes per fiber node. And that community is still very robust today. They offer triple play. They have um, enough, they they have sufficient bandwidth to continue offering services without having to upgrade and split their nodes, and they should be good for, for quite a quite a few more years um, and I'm sure that on their long-term planning they're looking at replacing all the coax and eventually getting fiber to each premise so Mm
2: -hmm. you
1: know that was 15 years ago and that was state-of-the-art technology today and it's kind of unique here in in Waverly building fiber to the premise we're not going to have any legacy issues um, that we need to overcome Um, with an IPTV video head end uh there's no legacy issues with analog or digital conversion. Um bandwidth speeds can be symmetrical, um both speeds up and down. Um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of benefits of I guess of way really waiting till today to build their system versus building it fifteen years ago.
0: Right. <laughs> so yep, you you get a definitely uh advantage in that. Um let me ask One thing we've got about five minutes left. Um, What kinds of advice would you give for the you know of how to do a doing a feasibility study? Because that's key part of how you were able to get this thing on rolling. uh, Your your relationships you built developed with the uh, your banks and so forth. It seems very much be about uh, your feasibility study, what are, like, two minutes worth of good advice you would give give to other communities on how they should build their their feasibility study?
1: Yeah, I think some really quality um, strategic planning by the leaders of the community on what they're trying to achieve is the place to start. And then to take a look at what is in place today, you know, what what is stopping them from from having what they want in that community, and it, and that may be in a discussion that brings in the incumbents, uh, and you have a frank discussion with them on on what they're willing to deliver in your community, and if they're willing to share any timelines for your community, and um, you know, I think you you need to start there. And if you're getting, you know, no feedback, or they're or they're not willing to expand in your community, and you know what your community, you believe you know what your community is, you build that feasibility study, and you go out and find out if the if the community is also sharing the leaders' thoughts on how things are going out there with your income providers. Is it going well? Is the community satisfied? Is the community not satisfied? Um, your businesses you have to take not only residential but but businesses into consideration and then you put together a plan on what you would want your community to look like with state of the art fiber optic infrastructure and can you can you get there um mm-hmm. do you have the financial wherewithal a, municipal utilities certainly are a step ahead because they've they've served the community they 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 know how to build things and operate them and maintain them. And uh, I think that was, you know, very crucial here in Waverly, that the utility, you know, is, is owner of the fiber optics, so they do have some skin in the game, um, and they do have an interest to see the thing succeed. But, yeah, your feasibility study needs to be very thorough. Um, mm-hmm. it, you, the community must have buy-in. If the community doesn't want it, You know, I think that's a large indicator that perhaps um, it's not going to happen because the community does have to stand
0: behind it. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense, and I think that you know people that are rah rah very supportive of of Muni Broadband have to answer that question very realistically um, because if you don't, you're going to be in a world of hurt, you know, six months or two down the road. When folks aren't you know aren't showing up for planning sessions, they're not planning to actually uh, subscribe to the network, and and that's and by that point you're in a world of, you know trouble because you've already invested so much, but you need to ask on the front end, um, these hard these hard questions, uh and 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 hold yourself to those 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 comments and. Goals and so forth. So
1: yeah, I mentioned it at the front of the show. If it's strictly based because you, you want to lower cost, then I, I think that's probably not the right reason to even attempt a venture like this.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, this is all we've got. Fault to, to time for right now. Uh, I want to thank you, Daryl, for uh, providing us with some really good insights and so forth. And I, I appreciate you being on the show and. Hopefully we'll more uh how how things are going later and we'll be talking with you then. So thanks, I appreciate it.
1: Look forward to it, Greg. Thank you.
0: All right. Uh, All right, thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week for more uh more good stuff on broadband. Take care.